Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBrew podcast all about the foreign exchange market, where we break down some of the main news headlines in financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of FX. My name is Matthew Ryan, Head of Market Strategy here at eBrew, and I'm joined as always on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer Enrique Diaz-Alvarez and Senior Market Analyst Roman Zuruk. Welcome back to another episode of FX Talk. And since our last episode, it's been a, a relatively quiet period in markets. Most of the major currencies have traded within relatively narrow ranges, with a few exceptions. The Scandinavian currencies, for instance, have rallied quite sharply, including the Swedish krona, which jumped after a hawkish Riksbank announcement. On the other end of the scale, the euro has slightly underperformed its major peers and has actually been one of the few in the G10 not to rally against the US dollar in the past week to 10 days or so. Uh, We have, however, seen heightened volatility around this week's main event in markets, which is Tuesday's US inflation report. Uh, US CPI data, for now at least, is the single most important data release on the economic calendar, temporarily at least superseding the monthly non-farm payrolls report in terms of its importance. Uh, The data for January was stronger than expected. The headline number uh, came in at 6.4% on the year, which was above the 6.2% expected, while core came in at uh, 5.6%, which is slightly down from the December number, but again was higher than the 5.5% priced in. Uh, If we look at our our favoured measure, the three-month annualised call rate, uh, that actually increased uh, to 4.6% last month from 4.3%. What contributed to the upside surprise? Well, almost half of the monthly increase in the headline number came from Shelter, which was up 0.7% on the month. Well, Energy also rose again, up 2% month on month. Uh, There was a little bit of an odd initial reaction in the US dollar. Uh, We did see a a fresh initial leg lower in the dollar to its lowest level uh, in just over a week against its major major peers, uh, which is not necessarily in line with the traditional reaction that one would expect. Uh, This was, however, quickly reversed. And at the time of recording, at least, the dollar is trading modestly higher uh, against most currencies. Uh, So a a relatively confusing response from markets. What did we think of this week's inflation data and the reaction uh, in currencies? Well, I mean, uh, it was a rather strong number and it came on the heels of an upward revision to the the prior months. And like you mentioned, the the key is that uh, uh, the the core inflation, which is, is much more indicative or has been in the past much more indicative of where inflation is headed over the next year or two, than headline. Core inflation after uh, taking a downward path for the second half of 2022 seems to have stopped falling. If you look at the last three months to smooth out the uh, month-to-month volatility, it's clear that uh, we're stabilizing at a highly desirable level of somewhere between four and a half and five percent. Wages are growing separately as we saw in the in other reports. Wages are growing about six percent. So we have, I think that the, the Fed has to be very worried about uh, inflation, prices, wages, all of those uh, indices stabilizing at a level of 4 to 6%, which is way above uh, 2%, the 2%, which is both 
the Federal Reserve target and what bond markets are assuming is going to happen at some point in the next year, inflation going down to 2.5%. So um, I was a little bit puzzled by the reaction of the market. Um, I think that maybe the significant increase in rates that we had seen on the, the last few days going into this report already priced in a stronger number than, than economists had priced in. But uh, to, to summarize, this is this is not a good number for the Federal Reserve, I don't think. To me, the data doesn't add too much new information. Um, on the one hand, we have a continuation of decline in inflation, uh, both in the headline inflation and core inflation. This is the se- se- seventh consecutive month of headline inflation trending down. And core inflation also has been trending down for a few months. Nonetheless, uh, if we actually look at the three-month annualized uh, core inflation data, the recent revision, I think, is quite significant because uh, recently on the podcast, I mentioned the number 3.1%, and this is the three-month annualized rate for December before the revision, but it was revised up to 4.3%. And right now, the core inflation, uh, the three-month annualized moved to 4.6%. So this means that we are actually not that far from recent highs uh, in this measure. Uh, and uh, this suggests that perhaps there is still some way to go for the Fed uh, with hiking interest rates uh, to uh, really be sure that they'll achieve price stability, especially in the context of a very tight labor market. So this data to me suggests that uh, perhaps we should expect not one, but two rate increases from the Fed. And actually the market is uh, starting to think that maybe three even would be warranted in this context. Uh, I also think when it comes to the market reaction that uh, perhaps the market was worried that inflation is going to turn higher uh, than it was. Mm, We had some pretty strong labor data previously. Uh, We also had some hoggish noises from the Fed members. So uh, such expectations uh, would be relatively natural in that regard. And I think that uh, the initial reaction in the dollar can be explained to that. But right now, what we are seeing is a repricing in the uh, hike expectations, repricing higher. Uh, So um, that's probably why the dollar is moving up uh, and reversing the losses, at least at the moment of, uh, at least right now. Uh, I think that the market is somewhat puzzled uh, about what the Fed is going to do with this data. And I think that the attention right now should turn to the communication from individual Fed members in the coming days. And the market is probably going to be reactive to that. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that more important even than whether we get two or three more hikes would be uh, the, the fact that this this market optimism about, about getting Federal Reserve cuts at, or interest rates cuts from most central banks starting as early as later in the year, those expectations are going to be disappointed. I think that it is conceivable that a terminal federal rate of 5.5% would be enough to continue tamping down inflation uh, towards the 2% target, but I think it's going to be much more drawn-out process than the than, than markets expect, and I do not expect any 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 cuts in rates in any from any major central bank at least well into 2024. Yes, and that's going to be the the, the key for, for for currencies, of course, as as you guys have alluded to, is is what this data 
means for for the Federal Reserve, not just the possibility of more hikes, but the timing of of, of cuts. Um, and following the data, I mean, markets seem pretty confident that the Fed will hike um, two more times uh, in March and May. I think that looks pretty likely now. Uh, of course, upcoming uh, non-farm payrolls and inflation data will be very important uh, for this view. But uh, you know, assuming we don't have any major surprises there, I think two more 25 base point hikes in March and May would be my base case, at least. I mean, I, you mentioned the possibility of a third uh, beyond that, Roman, but I, I, I can't necessarily see a case for that just at the minute. Um, but again, that's very much dependent on incoming data. Uh, but even still, I mean, this is still more aggressive than the Fed had outlined uh, in December. It's more aggressive than the market had been pricing in a matter of only a couple of weeks ago. So perhaps a little bit more room uh, for the dollar to rally, I would say, uh, in the short term. And let's see how, how currencies react um, and continue to digest this data in the next couple of days. Uh, moving on now, we're going to talk about the, the outlook for the UK economy. And now there's been a lot of pessimism surrounding the UK in the last sort of six to 12 months or so. Uh, the Bank of England has continued to warn over the possibility of a deep and prolonged slowdown. And a few, a few weeks ago, it was predicting that the UK economy had entered into a recession in 2022. The IMF has been similarly downbeat, forecasting the UK economy to post the slowest growth in the G7, in large part, of course, due to the acute cost of living crisis. Data out of the UK has, however, been relatively resilient. Uh, the PMIs are only in line with a modest slowdown. Retail sales has been a little bit weak, but um, overall, the, the official GDP prints have actually held up quite well. Um, particularly under the circumstances. The October and November GDP data beat expectations, while the Q4 number that was released last week shows that the UK economy didn't enter, enter into a recession last year. Despite all the gloom and, doom and gloom headlines, the UK economy actually posted flat growth in the final three months of 2022 and narrowly avoided entering into a technical recession, which is defined as two consecutive quarters of negative economic growth. Uh, so does this bode well for 2023? Or are we simply seeing a delay to the inevitable? Um, what do you guys think about uh, the UK economy and the outlook perhaps um, for Europe and, and growth in general? I mean, the, the data today we got from the, the labour market report in the UK was was not that different from the blockbuster report that we saw in the US and what we're seeing in the Eurozone. I mean, the same, the same things of the entire year 2022. Um, employment, unemployment at record lows, an economy where the, the labor market is very tight, continued job creation. Uh, today, we, you know, the, in January, the UK economy created almost three times as many jobs as expected. Um, and more importantly now, some uh, significant wage increases, which are in the UK, finally, uh, I think close to or just turning uh, into into real increases, which nominal wage increases um, uh, above inflation levels. So, in this context, uh, without with 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 the labor markets this tight and employers seemingly pretty desperate to hire and to to fill positions, it's very difficult to see any sustained recession. And this is the the same my same I have I hold the same view of the eurozone. 
Um, I think that rates are still way below inflation. That's traditionally been very stimulative of the economy. Um, the and and the combination of negative real rates and continued job creation and and unemployment at at lows. Um, it's it's very difficult to to see how how we get a, a recession out of that, how we get anything but at least modest growth, if not better, uh, out of that, both in the eurozone and and the UK. Um, I think that the retail sales data of the UK are the one the one sort of negative data that we've seen out there, but they've been those are very volatile and very influenced by seasonal and one-off factors like uh, the World Cup, uh, the cold snap in December. And I am reasonably uh, optimistic that uh, we're going to see a rebound in those in, in January. I'm not that optimistic uh, about the UK. Uh, what we have seen in the uh, past two quarters or so has been practically no growth in the economy. And looking at the retail sales, the numbers are quite terrible, frankly. I mean, we, we have significant contractions practically every, every month there. The labor market is uh, certainly uh, positive in, in this context, uh, and perhaps it should uh, support um, some recovery uh, going forward, or at least limit the extent of the downturn. And at the same time, uh, I think that the data has largely been negative. Uh, the PMI's composite PMI has remained below the level 50 for, I think, the past six months or so. So the situation is not exactly good. Uh, and I, the only positive I would think in the context of the UK is that I think that there are not many hikes in the pipeline from the Bank of England. Uh, I wouldn't even be convinced that we are going to see another one. Uh, this is still uh, remains to be seen, uh, in my view. Uh, and this perhaps uh, can uh, maybe restore some confidence that uh, the Bank of England is not going to tighten to the extent that the Federal Reserve has or is not going to continue tightening uh, as much as we expect from the ECB. Mm. When it comes to Eurozone, I'm more optimistic. Uh, I think that the data generally held up better. Uh, and looking at the PMI numbers, uh, what we have seen in the past few months uh, has been an uptrend. And actually, the composite index uh, recently at the beginning of the year uh, increased above the level 50, uh, which is uh, indicating the expansion in the business activity. And I think that this bodes well. Also, the extent of the energy shock to the European economy shouldn't be as significant. Uh, prices are higher than their averages for the uh, past few years. Uh, however, the, uh, we are likely not going to see the increases of the same scale as in 2022. So uh, that's a positive. And also the labor market in the Eurozone uh, remains strong, at least from the data that we have right now. But the data from Eurozone is uh, not as often available as it is from the US, and it's not as detailed. Uh, so maybe we don't have the full information there. Uh, so I would be more positive about the Eurozone than about the UK economy. Uh, and when it comes to market pricing or market expectations, I think that perhaps market is still uh, a bit more uh, gloomier than it should when it comes to Eurozone expectations. When it comes to Britain, uh, I think it's probably uh, spot on uh, or maybe just a little bit uh, too gloomy.
Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily completely disagree with everything you just said there, Roman. I mean, I think the the, the one thing I would say is that perhaps this this data that we have seen out of the UK and news that we've seen, while it's not been brilliant, it's not been great. Uh, a lot of the indicators have been quite weak. It's still been, I think, it's held up much better than the market had priced in. I think that's the key for for currency markets. That's the key for sterling. Is that the, the market had been pricing in the very worst case scenario. Um, the Bank of England had been uh, stressing that the UK economy would be already be in a recession by now. We'd already be seeing um, quite a quite a significant downturn. Um, but for, for markets, the, the key is that we've not seen that just yet. Um, I think the, the data, particularly the hard data out of GDP, has been has been yeah not great, but it's it's, it's holding up okay under the circumstances and. And as we've mentioned, the UK labour market is still very strong. We've had data out uh, this week, uh, which was which is pretty good. Um, wages continue to grow uh, at a solid pace, nominal wages that is. Um, unemployment remains very low. Uh, the claimant count number, which is the, the number of individuals uh, claiming unemployment benefits, that also fell more than expected. So I think there's reason for optimism, and I actually think markets continue to to take maybe a slightly overly pessimistic view uh, on the UK economy and and the European one in general. Um, and this is sort of in line with what we've been saying for some time, that, that growth and activity will hold up better than expected. Um, and I think last week's GDP data out of the UK more or less um, supported that view. Um, so, so, for me, I think there's um, room for some upside uh, in the pound, as 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 long as this data continues to to defy expectations for that significant downturn um, that had been warned not too long ago. Okay, I think we're going to finish now with our spotlight currency for the week, um, and as we tend to do, we generally pick a currency that has been either in the news or has either over or underperformed in the last couple of months or so. This week, we're going to give our thoughts on the South African rand. Um, now, the rand has struggled for the, the best part of the last sort of six months or so, um, and has actually been the worst performer of all the currencies that we cover in the last two months, and down around 4% on the dollar to now just shy of the 18 level, which is not far from its pandemic lows. Uh, one of the main reasons for this underperformance has been the ongoing energy crisis in South Africa. Energy shortages have led to prolonged blackouts or load shedding, as it's referred to locally. And in fact, the president has announced a national state of disaster in the past week as load shedding continues. And markets are clearly concerned that this could have a pretty serious impact on South Africa's economy. Data has already deteriorated and investors are now bracing for the possibility that we could get a recession in South Africa in 2023. Uh, but what is the outlook for the RAND? What do you guys think? And do you think it's a buy, sell or hold opportunity? Ah, difficult, difficult one. Um, I mean, we generally we generally have a positive stance on commodities and therefore uh, on the world economy, I think, this is a recession and therefore risk assets and emerging market currencies. Uh, in the South African RAND, I think that the... the the prognosis is a little bit less rosy than a lot of other 
uh, emerging market currencies. But on the other hand, it is true that uh, the South African rand has underperformed and it's, it's quite cheap. So I'm torn between these two factors, the, uh, the fact that the, uh, the, the energy crisis is a serious threat to the outlook. Uh, that is an idiosyncratic risk factor in South Africa that is not necessarily present in other emerging markets. On the other hand, uh, I like currencies that are have. I like to buy things that have gone down, and the South African rand is, is one of the worst performing currencies so far this year. So I wouldn't want to sell it either. So I'm going to hold this one. It certainly is not an easy currency to forecast, especially right now, considering the local factors. Uh, I would probably hold as well, uh, considering that on one hand, yes, we have a positive view on the global outlook and we expect the weakness of the US dollar. And the RAND has actually managed to capitalize on that weakness of the US dollar late in 2022. However, at the same time, we are seeing those uh, power cuts and they are not uh, likely to go away anytime soon. This is probably uh, an issue that is going to linger in the economy for quarters, if not years to come. Uh, and this uh, leading to a deterioration in the economic outlook. So I would probably hold, uh, but this would this would not be my uh, pick uh, for the EM currencies. I, I think that there are many other options that do not have such idiosyncratic risk and that would give a similar exposure to our positive call uh, about the global outlook and the uh, that could capitalize on the weaker US dollar that we expect. I agree. Yes, yeah, it's a very tough one to call. I mean, I think we usually have a pretty clear view um, as to as to these these currencies, but I, I don't necessarily have one for the round. Um, for me, I, I would probably err more towards selling at the moment. Um, there are reasons for optimism, and we've talked about high commodity prices, which should be good for uh, the current account, for instance. Um, high real rates as well, which is a bit of a rarity in current times. Uh, and as you mentioned, Enrique, the round is also at very cheap levels. Um, but these blackouts are clearly a, a very bearish signal. No end in sight just yet. So I, I think that for me means it's a, a sell in the near term. Um, and I agree with you, Roman. I think there are there are probably better options um, out there at the moment. <laughs> And that's it from us. If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the FX market, visit Ebreed's website or follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favourite podcast app. And let us know if there are any topics you'd like to hear more on during upcoming episodes. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a fortnight's time. Thank you all very much for listening. <laughs>